This call may be recorded or transcribed. Testing one, two, three. All right. Hey, there we go. Hey, we got good sound quality. All right. I said we have good sound quality. Ah, <laughs> couldn't quite hear you, so I didn't, but uh, <laughs> it's better now, so. I, the speakerphone is too far from my mouth. Ah, okay. Anyway, at least you can hear me clearly. So, but yeah, this definitely sounds like a, uh, a significant uh, shift or insight. You might uh, mention what you're referring to for the rest. Right. You want to, I guess, you want to read what you wrote? Um, yeah, I'll probably adapt it a little bit if I read it. Let me get to it. Sure. Huh. Oh, huh. I put my phone on my computer uh, right over the hard disk and shut down my computer temporarily. <laughs> but it's not a, <laughs> what, what they call the, you know, the thing that nothing's spinning in, but. Um, SD drive, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've learned in the past I have to avoid that part of it. Okay, so now pulling up what I was trying to read. Um, yeah, so uh, last night a friend uh, had previously emailed me some material about childhood emotional neglect that he was finding helpful in understanding the tensions in her own marriage and or maybe tensions isn't the right word even but also between her two oldest sons and um the i find i i think i'm drawn to people like you and me uh who have emotional detachment and maybe low emotional intelligence um because uh that's where i am that's where i'm comfortable uh right so it seems like number of my married friends are dealing with the same kinds of things. Anyway, he uh, sent me a couple uh, videos and um, the 10 characteristics uh, of spouses who suffer from childhood emotional neglect resonated with me, and I can read those in a minute. But the mm -hmm. uh, one of the uh, interesting thoughts is that emotional neglect as a child, which carries over to then your marriage and your parenting gets passed mm. on and beyond but if we become aware of it then we can work at uh experiencing god's healing that's the way i would say it we can look mm. god and his healing and not pass it on so this is a, a very appealing to me um so the um uh, the character so the the summary is that those suffering childhood emotional neglect uh, manifest uh, emotional disconnection and lack of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can have a marriage where one or both spouses need healing from childhood emotional neglect. Uh, mm -hmm. So if one needs it, then they're going to experience failure, but it can be compounded if you've got both parents um, or spouses. So uh, the characteristics they listed ten in the video, I think, um, a tendency to uh, these are things that just happen far more often if you have this background. Uh, so the yeah. first is misreading each other's feelings. Uh, second is avoiding discussing difficult topics to avoid conflict. 
it's really me, uh, be unable to argue productively, focus on logistics rather than feelings, and not confide in each other, react inappropriately if the other confides, not feel like a team, feel alone even with their spouse, have difficulty finding topics to discuss, and feel awkward experiencing positive emotions like love or only feel that uh, positive emotions during sex. Um, and then there was more about how children suffering childhood emotional neglect, uh, what they learn, but that's a separate video. So, wow, that was um, powerful. Sorry, keep going if you want yeah. to ask some questions, but. Yeah, well, we could uh, go into how to interact with that. I've got some other thoughts about what, how I'm now thinking about. Uh, Maybe but, just real know. quick, did you feel like all 10 of those, or were some of those that were very strong and some that were a little bit weaker? Uh, I felt like, yeah, as I wrote, I felt like this is this the diagnosis the real problem, uh, or it comes mm -hmm. closer to diagnosing the real problem than a lot of other things which are working on skills to try and you know improve the dynamics, uh, which feels like treating the symptoms. So um, I think this this for me this gives me hope of getting to something fundamental underlying. Uh, I think I may have jumped from your question to answer a different one, but do you want to restate your question if I did? No, that's fine. You know, it's actually, it's, it's, it's a more matter of curiosity rather than import. I, mean, I think you are, I, by the way, I fully agree, right? And this, this idea of emotionally growing in your relationship with God feels definitely more primal than learning a new communication technique. Right, right. Um, so let me just ask the, my, my other question again, which is, of those 10, did you feel like they all applied equally or some were very strong and some were perhaps less relevant? Well, yeah, it seemed to me like all 10 of them uh, were pretty strong. You know, I might pick out some that are stronger, but uh, they they all fit. Yeah. I guess the reason I asked is I think about half of them I really resonated with, and there are half that's like, okay. actually, no. Like, I don't have a problem uh -huh. having difficult conversations, for example. Right. Um, so it sounds like my pathology is overlapping with this, but maybe not quite the same. So, um, uh, yeah, in my case, uh, the avoiding discussing difficult topics is something that I have recognized in the past, and I've worked at overcoming. But, <laughs> To, to the the underlying desire to avoid conflict is still there, and uh, um, yeah, let me just skim through these quickly. Misread each other's feelings, avoid discussing difficult topics to avoid conflict, unable to argue productively, and uh, I, you know that's certainly I think that's been the experience of my family. Focus on logistics rather than feelings, uh, not confiding mm, in each other. Yeah. Feel like I don't. Uh, I'm, it's not safe, or it, it's misread if I confide. Uh, react inappropriately if the other confides. I think I've uh, done that. Uh, I don't feel like a team. Feel alone even with their spouse. Difficulty finding topics to discuss. I feel 
awkward experiencing positive emotions. I'm not sure about that one. I don't know that I have trouble feeling the positive emotions. And I imagine that uh, this is, these are characteristics of both Jackie and me. Although um, I don't, you know, I don't know what's in her heart and mind. So it's uh, it may be that it's all me, but it's certainly part me. I mean, yeah, so this drives me so. Yeah, I think the first one about, you know, lack of emotional connection and the other uh, one about focusing on logistics and finding difficulty of topics. Interestingly, it's really that you mentioned that, like, I have discovered I feel closer to my wife when I share vulnerably emotional things that are happening to me, even if she doesn't, you know, strongly react or reciprocate. And, uh, I think there's the, yeah, and this is, this, this is a surprise to me. Uh, and I think maybe it does get to the same issue of, you know, I wonder if my thing was less emotional neglect, maybe more emotional smothering, which has a slightly different pathology mm-hmm. pattern. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's definitely a lot in common. And, you know, so I mean, uh-huh. at some point I learned the uh, aggressively respond and engage and create conflict rather than avoid conflict strategy, which is a different set of problems that I have to deal with, but maybe that's the... So, the way this was presented to me in the video is, the impression I get is that this is something you can grow out of. And mm. I'm, I'm wondering if um, you and I are both in the process of growing out of these so that some of them are less applicable in the present, where they um, may have been, at least in my case, I think all of these, I started off very strong in all of these, and I, I think I'm making progress and hope to continue making progress. Yeah, I mean, I think you clearly are. I mean, I think for my case, I think I, like I think, like I said, I think I pathologized differently. Like there was a period of time when I was probably more withdrawal and so forth, and then I flipped to the other extreme, which mm-hmm. may have been slightly healthier, but wasn't really on the path to healing. And as we were just discussing in our last meeting, this issue of emotional detachment and needing to feel safe and in control or needing to trust in my strengths mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why I'm happy to engage in conflict and have productive arguments, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but that's not necessarily uh, the kind of healthiness God desires. That's not abundant life. That is maybe uh-huh. more uh, professionally conducive to getting the results, uh, at least the short-term results that I think I want. Mm-hmm. But uh, so anyway, yes, this is uh, very significant, very interesting. Um, the thing that actually struck me most is I feel like I may have made comments along these lines before, but the fact that you had a friend who owned this issue and identified with it and shared it with you I feel like, plus whatever else has happened in the past, uh, made this a thing that you were able to hear from him. Yeah. It's the yeah. it's the who and the how, almost more than the what, that was key to this breakthrough. Well, or yeah. the missing ingredient. And so there's I've I've come to a greater consciousness of God's timing in things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have lived my life trying to push for, you know, to be my prayer and lived out has been my kingdom come now, 
might well be done now. God's timing is unfolding, and if I'm struggling, straining to push, to finish something that uh, I'm, I'm falling asleep or whatever, um, I'm not taking it as, you know, maybe God's not ready for me to finish this. Not that he's not ready, but that it's not yeah. in, in timing for me to yeah. finish this now. And I can rest yeah. in the that yeah. he's sovereign timing and all that. Um, so that's a piece. Another piece mm-hmm. is uh, I'm recognizing that when I'm quiet and when I invite somebody to listen to God and they hear something from God, it's much more profound than if I tell it to them. Uh, mm. how eloquent I might try to be or whatever. Um, and uh, so there's there's the timing and there's the creating space. Uh, earlier this morning, I was with a man in Pakistan and, um, and just and of this friend yesterday who uh, was ready to file divorce papers that day. And mm. uh, I asked him, you know, we gave him several of the Jamie Winship kind of, okay, this is, you've been honest about your reality, about why it's hopeless, about uh, your spouse's unwillingness to change, and uh, you sense that you have no other options. But, uh, so let's just take that before the Lord and listen and ask, you know, what is, is that really true or are those lies? And what is the truth that he wants you to hear? Rather than me, mm-hmm. I mean, I, as well, but he gave time for listening like that. And then said to him, you know, are you, when you first, uh, when we first talked months ago, you said that Jesus, had, you'd asked Jesus about divorcing, and he said, don't divorce. Um, so are you, are you, what are you hearing from God? Well, I really haven't been hearing from God. And I said, maybe you should put the decision on hold and, to, and work on hearing from God. And he agreed with that. And so I appreciate it. His willingness to me for me to push back as hard as I did, mm. uh, but the the uh, you know getting people listen. So that's uh, I I recognize in myself, in you, and some of my other friends, this trying to give people the solution they need, um, in a way that bounces off. Uh, and I acknowledge you've said these things to me before, and I I have uh, maybe I wasn't ready, or but I, I needed to. God's confirmation and a sense of Him speaking to me, which doesn't always come through when you're advising me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I own that too. Is that I feel like, you know, the like, uh, don't rely on words is a uh, difficult verbal command to give without being a complete hypocrite. And so. Uh, the reason why we haven't talked much in the last couple of months is I feel like, okay, wait, I feel like I am part of the problem I am trying to solve. And, you know, the, the word I had today from our friend Scott was, you know, uh, I rely on my intellect and that is the thing that I have to yield to Jesus for God to actually accomplish the change that I want. And, and so I think the, the incarnational humility of your friend, I think, made that a, a effective word. Uh, in a way that my efforts, I mean, they were useful. I think, like I said, uh, I've come to think that philosophy is mostly useful in the negative sense. It can help clear away confusion, uh, but yeah. it doesn't by itself actually 
communicate truth. Mm-hmm. It can maybe uh, uh, that was my when I went through my one of my redemptive journeys is that Minerva, you know, who's the goddess of wisdom, I really mm-hmm. saw as more of a, a janitor. You know, someone whose job is to clear away the false notions so that you, and then if you're willing to embrace that, then you can create space for Jesus. Um, um, uh, or the, you, you have a space to invite Jesus in if you're willing to. And I think a lot of like we're getting ready for Lent and fasting, this idea is like, okay, the law is useful in as a way to create space. But it only works mm-hmm. if you leave that space open for Jesus to fill it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the email that led me to this was actually sent two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's into this. Right uh, this was and uh, one one nice thing. Uh, anyway, yeah. The the guy got has all kinds of creativity, I guess, in delivering things when we're ready for them or when he's. Uh, not sure how our readiness fits with his timing, but um, however that works out. So, yeah. So I'm I'm uh, so practical on a practical level. Um, I'm, I've been considering various ways to proceed with this. Um, mm-hmm. One one is this observation that I seem to have friendships with a variety of people who. Similar struggle similarly, and mm-hmm. to invite some kind of uh, collaborative effort to grow in this area uh, with each other. Maybe by asking, uh, you know, we we've talked about uh, sharing emotion, using emotion words to check in, that kind of thing. Mm. But that that felt like a practice that without a clear diagnosis or a treatment that maybe you know it seems to be working for a lot of people and maybe it'd be good but uh, with this new um, perspective um, I feel much more motivated to be more diligent about that checking in with Jesus about how I'm feeling and potentially then doing this with others I was at a a friend of mine who started a men's group uh, Monday nights which I'm going to based in Aldridge's uh, you know, stuff, John Eldridge and Wild at Heart. And um, we're, I thought he had been doing this for a while. He said, no, he just started about the time that he first came. And uh, I, as he talks, he sounds to me like I think I have sounded. Now, my family uh, a few years ago told me I talk way too much. And uh, mm. I was really curbing my um drive to give people what I think is going to be helpful to them and to mm. start by listening <laughs> and uh see you know maybe um if I can respond in context in appropriate ways rather than just uh, gushing and uh sucking up all the air in the room so uh I see a little bit of that in my friend who has distilled and absorbed a lot of insights that generally are helpful for other people but uh he seems to i mean i i need to talk with him about this but i don't sense emotional connection unfolding around the way that he uh, interacts and so i'm going to share this stuff with him as well 
anyway, uh, so, but then also, uh, actually, I, I started with uh, relating to others who are in a similar space, but my first thoughts were actually, uh, and more significantly, more importantly, about how to process this with family. So, mm. he sent it to both Jackie and me. She's a friend of ours, and she's been working with us. They intervened a couple of years ago when things fell apart to try and help mm-hmm. us start processing this, and I've dealt with this several times. Um, Jackie hasn't mentioned the email. I just myself opened it. Uh, now we were on the cruise when it came, I think, or just back. And uh, so um, I'm processing, considering, praying about, uh, should I ask Jackie if she would like to discuss or explore this further. So that's the first uh, thought I went through, and I don't feel like I have an answer from the Lord yet. But that's mm-hmm. a, uh, another is to uh, not uh, that. So the thought from there is that maybe that feels like I'm pushing her to mm-hmm. explore this, and that might be healthy and helpful for her to explore. But I don't think it's my job to uh, stir her or it won't be may not be well received but then I was thinking with uh, my daughters uh, and Jackie to uh, in fact this was in as we were meeting earlier around that scripture uh, thinking that um, letting go of my own uh, effort to appear and to think of myself as emotionally healthy and say mm. you know I've received something that feels like it is a fit for what's wrong, what what I need to grow in, where I need healing. And to say mm. these are the characteristics, what I read to you, of uh, someone who grew up with childhood emotional neglect. And uh, I fear that I may have passed that on to your kids. Uh, I would, uh, I want you to just know that I am now uh, trying to work on these, the underlying issues with the Lord and would welcome any feedback that you care to offer that you think might be helpful for me about where you've experienced these things, how, uh, what I can ask forgiveness for or whatever. So with a posture of not saying any of you are dealing with this, but this is what I'm Mm. dealing with. And then they mm-hmm. pick it up. And that's great if it's helpful to them as well. But <clears throat> just to focus for now on uh, wanting to come into a, a healing with the Lord to where I'm able with Him to experience this emotional connection and uh, mm-hmm. be open with them. So, what are you hearing in all of that? And that's so... that question what, what are you hearing is? a key part of what I'm trying to cultivate in all my conversations, uh, recognizing that what I say is not what they heard. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Heard. Yeah. So, uh, I hear you, pro- I hear you processing like, cause I think your, yeah. your first instinct is let's talk about this. Cause I think it'll help other people. And I think I hear you processing and say, well, maybe that's actually not the right thing to do. Maybe that's even part of the problem. <laughs> and, yeah. So the, a more humble strategy is to just sort of confess to your family and ask them to uh, provide you feedback so you can become healthier rather than you find. So 
that you can invite them to help you get better rather than you trying to help them get better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I heard from you. Uh, what I heard from the spirit was like, okay, I think I have some thoughts, but then, you know, sharing thoughts of how to fix other people is how we got into this mess in the first place. So I should pause and think more about whether that's a good idea to share any of that. Right. Um, I did have a concept that may or may not be useful to you. Okay. Uh, but it feels like it's worth sharing as, as a concept to at least create a category. And this is a phrase that came up, I forget where it came up, was this idea of, uh, it was actually with Jim, uh, who was on the call with us recently, this idea of an irrevocable sacrificial act uh-huh. as a demonstration of what I currently value that I did not value before. And this idea that the reason words fail, sorry? Can you give an example? Yeah. So the, um, let me just think of one that's appropriate for the podcast that's more personal. So, um, yeah, so here's one. So I was talking with my son about sexuality and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, talking about homosexuality and, you know, my concerns about like, yes, I understand people are wired differently. They respond differently, different circumstances, different dispositions. But that, you know, that's, that is a thing. There is another thing, which is a belief structure around homosexuality. And that, uh, you know, just because people have this position doesn't necessarily mean that they have to adopt that belief structure. Uh, You know, uh, but what I said was, you know, but in reality, like if people have these dispositions and the only narratives around them are, you're a horrible, evil person, and you need to be fixed. And no, this is the way you are. That's a good thing you should celebrate. It's uh, totally understandable that people would choose the latter rather than the former. And what I said to him is, this, it's kind of like if you have these spiritual impulses and you feel like there's something wondrous and beyond reality and you grow up in a, you know, Christian or other household that gives you a context and a worldview for making sense of that in a way that helps you feel good and feel that you belong, it is at that level no better and no worse to identify as a Christian because of spiritual impulses than to identify as a homosexual because of erotic impulses. And for me to concede that to my son was an irrevocable sacrificial act for me. For him to say, like, you know, hey, you know, is that at this level, like if I'm going to use this logic, you know, to critique something that you believe in, I will point out that this exact same logic undermines the thing that I believe in or that, you know, okay. that I, that I want him to believe in. And, okay. you know, I feel like the, like the words, I don't expect my son to take anything I say particularly seriously, but I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, that, counted as this this thing that once I've said it, I can't unsay it, right? right. I'm giving him ammunition to use against me if I'm trying to get him to conform to a particular worldview. And Uh that demonstration, you know, I feel like that that willingness to uh, be convicted of my own logic was something that 
you know, I believe had a significant emotional weight in the relationship. Okay. It, it, moments of great words can become deeds. Uh, so I don't know if that mm-hmm. helps, but at least that gives you, at least that's a concrete example of what I mean by uh, irrevocable sacrificial act. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you to repeat the phrase so I could try and tie it to the um, that it feels that the illustration or the example you gave was complicated enough. I'm uh, still it'll take me some time to. Um, yeah, it may have been a, also overly hot button issues and <laughs> well, it doesn't mean out of help. Uh, but 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 I guess it's more like that's an interesting question you could ask God is, is there something that you could do to demonstrate the, the insight and truth you now have, rather than using words to describe it? Yeah, okay. That's a worthwhile question. Are there, are there um, actions rather than words that, uh, through which I might um, demonstrate the this new understanding I have of what may be more fundamentally deeply wrong with me. Maybe not most deeply wrong, but uh, deeply wrong, uh, which drives much of the pain in our household. Yeah, and like, or, or, actually, this is actually a question we asked a while ago, which is. What does what does Jesus want to give me so I can be an agent of healing? Right. Do you want to just take a minute and ask Jesus that and see what he says? Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, but do you want me to capture the specific way you asked that? Was the way you asked it significant? I don't know. I was just I'm I'm making this up as I go along. Right. I don't have a, I don't have a standard practice on this area. Uh so it was something along the lines of what do you want me to give you, Jesus? Jesus, what do you want me to give you? Well, it, it, this is a question. I think the, the the question was like like rather than defaulting to either a discussing it with people or even be merely confessing it, although that can be a second life in some contexts. It's also a little bit, people like us who are very good with words, even confession can be too cheap of an act to carry a lot of emotional weight. And okay. so the idea, is there something that I can do to, I guess, incarnate this truth rather than talk about it to my family? Um, okay, so the immediate, uh, what wells up inside of me is that, um, I don't, it's not, there's a a new sense of understanding of what's fundamentally wrong, but that doesn't fix the problem. Um, so my uh, interest isn't in helping the family understand some of the truth, but in actually experiencing healing, which I think starts with talking with Jesus about my emotions and finding 
uh, coming into, moving into an experience of emotion with him um, and not worrying about, you know, the, the family. If, if I succeed in experiencing this, it'll overflow naturally without planning and effort as uh, the image that's coming to mind. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you've helped me process that I don't need to do anything uh, with this externally, relationally. Although I, uh, 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 at least for healing of my family, um, I do uh, sense that this is helpful in community with others that I'm closer to in the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah with my friend Jack or you or others um, whatever it means to uh, engage emotionally or to not neglect that part of uh, my our the relationships uh, and maybe to, you know practice with the family not trying to talk with it or about it or explain it but just to be conscious and to um, try and, you know, be listening to Jesus about what, uh, how I can be emotionally, uh, move toward emotional connection in my life and interactions with the family that I see every day. Yeah. And the most interesting thing I've heard you say I think you said it two or three times now, is this idea of experiencing emotions in your relationship with God or something right. like that. Uh, yep. Can you rephrase that in terms of what is different than your prior practice? Because it's not clear to me from the words what you mean. Um, I think uh, so in the material, it talks about learning of uh, I mean, we've talked about before about learning the vocabulary of the right emotions and checking in. Um, there's, uh, um, uh, I I think I said that uh, the the skills and practices that we've discussed have seemed good to me, but they didn't seem fundamental, and this this now feels like. This is the driving, uh, the driver of much of the pain in uh, our household relationships, and that uh, I need to dig deeper into. So um, I will be asking here how I do this and what he wants me to know and uh, do in this regard. But the, uh, the, uh, just making a more intentional daily, um, more frequently than daily, I think, uh, multiple times a day effort to be some conscious of what's happening in my heart and talk with Jesus about it. I think there's the, um, the application of what I right. sense. Right. Much. So let me just make sure I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you correctly or interpreting this correctly, given the context, is that in the past, you were, you were very intent, in the past, the distant past, you were very focused on just doing the things that you thought God wanted you to do. 
And then phase two was like, okay, I need to really just be with God and just rest in his presence. Uh, And that was a fundamental shift. And this seems to be maybe a refinement of that, which is I need to listen to my heart and then bring that to Jesus. Yeah, and interact with him about that and practice with him. Yep. Yeah. So that's interesting because that is at least analogous to this idea of a mic check in the, the new format that okay. I've been playing with. Is trying to say, okay, uh-huh. what is the most important challenge? What is, and I describe, I don't know if I descri- defined it to you uh, the way I defined it last week, which is that what is the most urgent need in my most anxious relational context? Like, what is the thing, you know, in, in my, you know, the, the way I, this is on my daily practice of like, okay, what is, going on today that I find, uh, uh, or where, where, maybe even today, what, what is going on with me that is an anxious relational context? Like it could be what's, uh, you know, I uh, have a, uh, a difficult meeting at work. It could be that I've been, uh, you know, feeling emotionally disconnected from my daughter, but that's the anxious relational context. And then they're asking God, what is the most urgent need, you know, that I have in this area? And using that as a, as the, the mic, the most important challenge that I want God to speak into. When I, I don't know if that's the same question. thing, but that's, it's at least, an, I feel like it's somewhat analogous to what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. When I wrote down, what is, or when I wrote your question down, I wrote is what is my greatest need rather than my most urgent need? And I'm mm. curious about distinction. Um, is the is the urgent um, better than the greatest? Uh, do you think so, it's a, uh, is there is there an emphasis there that's significant? So I can tell you by logic because you know words are, are squishy. But the idea this actually came out of work we were doing on customer discovery, okay. and the idea about the most urgent need is that if this is your most urgent need, then nothing will preempt it. Uh-huh. Whereas if something's okay. really important, but it's not urgent, then other things will get in the way. And it's like, oh crap, this other thing happens that's actually more urgent and I will ignore it. Uh-huh. So so the idea of the most important challenge I had was, is, is just like, this is the, the, the thing that if I could make progress in this area, I would happily drop everything else. Right. And you know, urgency is dangerous because it could just be a very superficial thing. But at least in the right. practice that I'm doing, I'm not saying this is the same thing that you should do. Like I just say, okay, what is the thing that is top of mind that I most need to see God work at today? And that's uh-huh. the reason why I chose urgency is precisely because it's the thing that bubbles to the top of the priority stack. Right, right. Okay. But it's only in like, but it's like the most urgent need in the most important or, you know, the, the, the most relationally anxious area. Uh, And that's why that's why it's like, is, is that the hope is that, and like this may not work and I'm not sure if I even do this consistently, but the idea is that this will hopefully force me to focus on the the thing that has the maximum leverage for God to work in my life. That's the that thing I'm trying to, to get to. 
But I use the word distressing instead of anxious, which my most distressing. Right. Really it's, it's, it's not. It doesn't have the nice money mark acronym, but sure, whatever works for you. <laughs> right. So I, there's I, a need in my most anxious relational context has the, has the nice acronym money mark. That's why I went there. But distressed, anxious, and also anxiety is a, is a potent word for me. But you know, there's no obligation to use any particular terminology. I'm just laying this out as a example of one way I'm doing something similar to what you've been discussing. My friend Nick, who uh, is, you know, covering on the edge of divorce much closer than I've ever been, um, I'm thinking about sharing this question with him this way, uh, within my most distressing relational context, which for him is clearly, I think, his marriage, uh, what is my most urgent need? And, uh, yeah. That seems that that, that, that yeah. certainly seems isomorphic to what I was saying. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. And uh, definitely, in the idea of practices like you know Lent's coming up on the 13th of February or 14th of February, Valentine's Day, and I would right. love to do something online publicly, well, actually even privately if necessary. But like it feels uh -huh. like there's something worth doing as a six-week pressing into God. And certainly this issue of emotional detachment and, you know, uh, emotional healing feels like, you know, very on topic. Exactly yeah. whether it should be with your group, whether this Tuesday group, I really have no idea how this is all going to play out. But we got to that out. I think it was Scott that pushed back against you having the AI uh, transcriber or whatever on in the Zoom. Uh, but I didn't catch what the what his yeah I mean was. I think yeah the, the yeah so it's a it's a very different thing right to do a public spectacle than a private discussion group and both have value uh, it's yeah. really just a question of what are we trying to accomplish and yeah, okay. I'm trying to spark a national revival and to do that you kind of need to have a public spectacle um, yeah so and you know we'll see right and you know. We got three weeks for God to work, and like I am, my predictions of what God is going to do are are hilariously wrong, but often directionally correct. Yeah, like right. okay, this is the kind of thing God wants to do. My timing, the format, the structure is ridiculously off. But it's like okay, as long as I'm moving in the right direction, then right. I figure God will sort it all out in time, and either He'll do a completely different thing at the time I expect. Or he'll do the thing I want at a very different time, and so. Uh, but anyway, yeah. this is this. I, I agree with you. This feels like a fundamental shift. I am really excited. Uh, I am. It is also something that, even though I don't like, I said I'm not less broken. I'm just broken differently, and uh -huh. you know, with with some overlap. And this is, yeah. I think, a fundamental shift that I have to make too. Um, uh, and I'm maybe, excited. Maybe, and, and maybe the healing process isn't that different. Even if the yes. manifestation, uh, the, uh, whatever yeah. symptoms are, is totally different. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, emotional alienation of some kind is, you know, not a bad definition of sin. Uh, emotional. Right? The things that separate. Em, emotional alienation of some kind, yeah, you yeah. know, is not a bad definition of sin, right? It's the thing that separates us from God and keeps us from loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and keeps us from loving our neighbor as ourselves. Um, or maybe more more generously, um, 
alienation is how we are incarnate into the world. And that is why we need the redemption of Christ. Because right. we have all these coping strategies to cope with the fact that we live in a broken world with broken people. Yeah. And apart from Christ, yeah. that's the best we can do. But then when yeah. Christ comes, this is precisely what he came to heal, to heal the brokenhearted. Right. Yeah. Well, good. You want to pray for me and pray for you? Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for Robbie. I thank you for this friend who sent him the right word in season from a place of vulnerability and uh, brokenness, and that you revealed it to Robbie at this time so we could have fresh manna today to share with the group this morning and with me. And, you know, that my son spoke the same word basically to me, even though I wasn't ready to hear it at the time and that this brought it all back. And so I just thank you, God, that you're doing extraordinary things to heal our broken hearts, uh, to heal our marriages, to heal our families, to heal the body of Christ. And mm -hmm. I have no idea how this is going to play out. I have my theories of how I'd like it to play out, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that we are pressing into you and that you are healing us, that the blood of Jesus is cleansing us from our sins. Uh, the alienation, the damage that we have received from our parents, from culture, and from our own choices. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus, that the cross of Christ, more powerful than all of these horrifically deep and, and painful wounds and conditionings. And I just declare that this is the season that you are setting the captives free, that you're giving sight to the blind. And I just thank you that Robbie is hungry and pressing into you and open. And I uh, praise you in advance for the extraordinary work you're going to do with his family over these next few months. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that uh, you understand our needs better than we understand them ourselves. That you're patient and kind, and that uh, you always um, trust, always hope always persevere and that you never fail um, and that you are eager and ready to uh, impart these qualities to us love is shed abroad in our hearts by your holy spirit and uh, we invite you to lead us into the uh, the that you conform us as you're conforming us to your image uh, and causing all things to work together for our good, that uh, the, this would manifest itself in ways that are evident and visible through healing in our families and households and work relationships um, to um, glorify you and to draw others into the same abundance, eternal life. For the sake of your name, uh, we ask your blessing on Ernie as he ponders or considers or hears from you uh, how to follow up with or respond to his son's challenge about emotional distance and uh, other ways that uh, similar things manifest in his yeah. relationship. We sent him. So, um, yeah, amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. All right. Yeah, I you. All right. Bless you. Oh, I just want to 
Father, uh, mentioned Nick to uh, Ernie and others and just, mm-hmm. uh, for a, a healing breakthrough in his marriage that you who uh, raised Christ from the dead uh, are perfectly able to uh, restore a relationship that's at this stage or even beyond. Um, and ask for uh, Nick to embrace you and the growth that's available to him in this difficult circumstance. Uh, above the relief that is driving him to, that he sees, that he imagines uh, if he simply ends the marriage and uh, asks him for your grace and your love to surround him today. Amen. Anyway, and my schedule is more open. I wanted to get away where we spend some time listening to Jesus together, or, you know, structured or unstructured. I am, I am available for that. So, let so me I missed part of that. I heard you're available for right. listening to Jesus. If you, if you want, like me, you and Nick to together and spend some time listening to Jesus. Oh. Right. Okay. Yeah. That structure. I'll mention that too. How do we do like just like half hour? You're breaking up badly. I think my yeah. So all right, I will. Uh, I'm open-ended. Let me know. All right. I got, we'll leave it open-ended. You're available if uh, Nick's available. And uh, we'll have to listen to Jesus together. Good. Yep. All right. All right. Have a good day. Bless you, man. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.